Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Yes, go ahead and uh, slow down and join us as we um, start the Mystery of Parenthood. That song means you're listening to us. And um, before we get started, we're going to start with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And that other voice, of course, was Thaddeus Romanski, who is here with me. Good afternoon, Howdy. Trey. Good Always afternoon. so good to be with you. I enjoy being, yeah. a, being a part of this, this oh, show. It's a lot of fun. I love you being here. But we miss Stephanie. We do miss Stephanie, but, you know, that, that happens sometimes. But um, but I think, you know, some things will come in to this from 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 that. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Um kind of a, a grab bag of top topics just because sometimes it. it's a free whole, for all a free for all and um and hopefully that you know at least one or two of them will will um will touch some of you who are listening out there uh in a way because they're all things that kind of spoke to us um during this time and and so uh, you know this actually was not originally on the grab bag list but but last night stephanie and i were were uh actually at a football camp in houston texas and and uh got a text from the romanskis and it it, it made our it, it really made our night we both were uh a great deal of joy but but i think what it what it points to is just little things like like what thaddeus is about to explain um and i'll, I'll preface it by I, I i received a text from thaddeus saying you know something along the lines hey this is so this is what happened. Yeah, let's let's We're, actually give a listen to it right now. Okay, yeah, listen, listen, and then we'll yeah. listen to it. I'll put it in post production. Oh, okay, okay, and I'll cut this part out. Yeah. So, and go. So here's so that right there is one of those um, moments that comes from time to time where you have the opportunity as a parent because you're on the way to a confirmation or whatever to just do it and then turn it into something fun that's really for the whole family. Yeah. I mean, I think it is so cool. It's not something we um have done, but but I, I can tell you this much, we we shared that with Colby and Colby we had to get Colby to stop singing it cuz it was getting angry. You're kidding me. <laughs> no, you are kidding me. No, Colby started singing the song and I'm like, "Okay, stop." <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, it was cute when the when the younger kids were singing, and it was cute for him to sing it. You know, probably wow. the third or wow. fourth time. But when 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 ten and eleven hit, it was like, okay, we're we're done. But uh, oh boy, but but what I a sweet kid. But I but I do think that it speaks to what we've always said. You got to look for those opportunities to just just it's that's a pitch and a penny maybe that's a quarter but it, it it's just a little bit of effort followed by a, an example that you can speak to before and then after that it just opens up really a conversation that it's being purposeful i mean it's mm-hmm. taking what god's given you not just in the opportunity but in the sacrament itself so that you can point to the the visible signs and the 
invisible realities and that hey Jesus gave this to us and and it's meant to confer grace and you can talk about what grace does that it elevates nature it just it, it provides that and and the way y'all did it I think was was fun I mean, yeah I want to give credit to my my five year old soon to be six year old son the fact that I'm helping him get dressed to go on this trip to the the confirmation of uh, my wife's cousin and you know he had the presence of mind to say i said we're we're going to you know cousin's confirmation and he had the presence of mind to say what's a sacrament so he made the connection that confirmation is one of the sacraments so that's a great job on his part he wanted to know he wanted to ask what that was and credit to my wife who uh, instructs the kids in their in their religious education at home she's she's doing a f- tremendous job if a six-year-old is yeah, making a connection that oh confirmation i think that's one of those sacrament things right <laughs> well I, I think that um why, why it's so uh, important is that was kind of a turning point in my life i started on my master's in theology and we were st- studying the sacraments like first semester of of my master's and you know, born and raised Catholic, could most likely have named all seven sacraments. <laughs> but the question came to me, the same question that he's getting at six, so I'm a little bit um, learning disabled or something. No, 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 but, no, no, no. But 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 I think that it struck me that, okay, I'm a, you know, at that point I was a 30-year-old Catholic that, if I didn't know like off the top of my head what a sacrament was, then there might be some other people out there who don't know. They may know how to list them because they're told, you know, they have to, they have to understand that. But I, I talk all the time when we do marriage prep about, you know, remember that that's what the mystery of parenthood mystery. Mysterion is the Greek that is sacramentum in in Latin from which we get that. And so you'll hear in the mass and probably in the, in the, even in the words of, of uh, confirmation and in most sacraments, you'll, you'll hear this going back and forth between mysteries and sacrament because the words similar typically in English, when they, when they're going back and forth, the mysteries are kind of the invisible realities when, when referenced and the sacrament is the visible sign. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, can kind of hear when they talk about the mysteries. Yeah, yeah. It's it's what it's symbolizing, but the reality that is actually there, even though we can't with our own eyes necessarily see. And I guess there's the the matter and form of the sacrament concept, and does that do those kind of match up with matter is the visible sign, form is the invisible reality? Is that fair to say or not well, exactly? I mean, I I would guess. To some extent, that that's true. But the, the obviously the matter is the the stuff of the sacrament. So with with baptism, it's the water. With the with um with confirmation, it's the oil. You know, it's not as clear with confession, but but it's the penitence the, of the the penitence of right the, is the is the matter. Um, you know, so it, it sometimes you have to. But that's a good point. You need to you need to work through. So what is the matter and what's the form? Typically. You know, the matter is the water being poured over the head of a baby or a person being submerged underwater, and the form is are the words associated with yeah, it. Yeah, right, you know, right. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is pointing to the invisible reality. So in a sense, I would say yes, right? I mean, it's pointing to— Because confirmation, the form would be receive the Holy Spirit, right? The words that the, right, exactly. the bishop speaks. So there's, there are words that matter. So this is my body— when the, when a when a priest confects, that's the that is the those words are the are the form that 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 if that said together with wheat bread by a ordained Catholic priest, and he's intending that when he says that, we know that that is no longer at at that point the just bread. It is Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity, which is not clear visibly right it's an, it's the invisible reality that's right but it's reality it's not merely a symbol i mean it is jesus's body blood soul and divinity 
we don't see the rushing like they did on Pentecost Sunday where the fire was over their heads in, in most cases, I mean, at confirmation, but we know that the reality is mm-hmm. that, that, that he, they're receiving the fullness of all the, all the gifts they need from the Holy Spirit to go out and do battle as a Christian, as a fully mature Christian, to go out into this world and use those gifts to defend the faith, to share the faith, to live the faith with conviction you know, and, and, and to be able to have all the gifts that come with that, you know, a couple of, couple of other great things about that definition of a sacrament is a visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace. Some other great things about that are that takes us back to the, we believe in all things visible and invisible in the creed. So you, you talk about this, you use this definition and, and then you can get, you can jump into well, th- here's why we say this in the creed, right. and then you could go and, into and, the creed. And, and for those of you that are old enough to remember, that that, that was one of my favorite changes yes. that came, because it used to be the seen and the unseen, unseen as opposed to the visible and the invisible. And there is a difference between saying those things. The, yes. the unseen is like maybe it's, you know, if we could just, we could see it. It's just hidden. And there's a sense in which that's true, but given the fact that the visible and invisible is kind of the typical language of the church with regard to that, it was made it more clear that that's what it was linking itself to. Right. And so every Sunday when you say the creed, there is that visible and invisible mm-hmm. that that we need to keep in front of our kids because see that's part of the the wonder of being Catholic is. And and the need to tell our kids over and over, there's much more going on here than meets, meets the, the eye. eye. I mean, there is so much more going on here. My my one of my professors, the professor that taught the sacraments, used to say, if if we really could see what happened at baptism, mm-hmm. it would overwhelm us. The change to with the removal of the original sin it would be a, you know an explosion of sorts it would be a dynamic forceful oh my goodness and we have to not lose sight of that it's, and and not just go through the motions that's what that's what it means to you know to participate actively and consciously we need to be making the link or helping our kids make the link with the invisible reality that's happening is really happening. Yeah, there must have been a catechist somewhere in the 1980s when the Transformers cartoons were popular who oh. must have used transubstantiation more than meets the eye. <laughs> no, just just me on that one? Yeah. Crickets? Okay. No. <laughs> um, the other one I wanted to, the other uh, thing I like about that, there's a host of things I like about that definition, um, but what you said about, you know, we weren't we don't see the, uh, the rushing of the Holy Spirit, the tongues of fire, for instance. Um, and that's true. And, and that maybe think about, yeah, because in a sense, we're the blessed who have not seen and have believed. Just exactly. Like was Christ that you said, that brought that up? I, um, was it something smart? Okay, so this is actually, it's probably you because it was smart. It, it, everything smart comes from you. <laughs> Oh boy! It's getting thick in here. But 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 the but the thing that that actually springboards into to um, the the guy that I went to see that was my old pastor friend. So So I'm and and it really ties to this. Remind remind me because if I lose track, which I often do, the blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Right. So 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 make sure I get to that point because okay. that's why I'm bringing this up. So recently I, I joined a, a have traveling to Austin and spent a lot of time in Austin and have reconnected with an old friend, high school friend, um, fraternity brother who happened to also have triplets and, um, very strong in his faith. A, a, just a great man. He does have God. a lot in common. He's a pre, he, he's Protestant, but he, I mean, he loves the Lord and he is, challenges me every day in terms of how he so much loves people and wants to invest in them and 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 is really concerned about where they stand 
with the Lord. And, and I, I just think there's such a benefit to that, but, but I've been able to be in this, in this, um, in this Bible study with these guys. And, and about a month ago, he said, Hey, we're going to read this book. It's called imagine heaven. And I've read parts of it and I've read probably half of it. And with potential qualification, I would recommend it because it's really got some cool things, but it's about near death experiences written, oh, right, right. written by um, a, a guy who happened to be the roommate, the college roommate of this friend of mine that I've reconnected with and a fraternity brother of mine who I had no idea is now the pastor of gateway church in in North Austin. And uh, it's one of the mega mega churches, but brilliant guy. He was like a petroleum engineer who made, you know, um, straight A's with the exception of a, a literature literature class where, where he made a C and the professor said, well, at least you're not going to be a writer. Now his book is on bestselling. Ah, <laughs> the, the irony. You might've seen him on Fox news. His name's John Burke. I mean, he's been on Laura Ingram show. He's, I mean, he's a kind of a nationally known guy with regard to these things. And this okay. has been a work of like 30, 30 years, honestly. And um, anyway, but one of the things he was saying is that there's all these commonalities and this is what all these commonalities of, of people who have these near death experiences with regard to them coming face to faith with Jesus. And and most of them having some review review of their life with him, with Jesus there and, and all that. But, but um, the reason I brought this up is he was talking, it was just me and him and, and my friend John sitting around the table and, uh, I th- and he, somebody, he said, one lady had had such an impactful experience in her near death experience that her life was changed coming back. And, that, and, and, and she tells the story that it was so impactful that when she's sitting there with Jesus in this near death experience, she says, she says, well, if you would just let everybody experience what I'm experiencing, surely everybody would do it. And, and my pastor f- friend says, and isn't it just like Jesus? His answer is to quote himself. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe was his response okay. to her in that deal. And he said, isn't that just brilliant? I mean, the Lord says that. And, and I think that, you know, we all want to have those moments, but there's something to what's what, what faith means. I mean, you know, everybody should know. I don't have it in front of me. Hebrews, you know, Hebrews one. Oh, how about that? I just popped to it. I'm really good. Providential. <laughs> Hebrews 11. I'm sorry. Uh, one. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, mm. which speaks to this. And so faith to a certain extent re- requires the fullness of that gift of faith is to not have seen and yet have believed. And, so it's not for all of us to have those moments. And in fact, Jesus is even more blessed. St. Thomas, I guess that's in response to, yeah, to Thomas yeah, who to said, Thomas I want to say, I want to stick my hand in the side. I want to see the the nails holes in his hand. That's right. After he says, my Lord, and my God, my Lord, and my God. And he, you know, you, be, you believe because you have seen blessed are those that's the Trey cash. And I guess, is that Best from the Kashukism? I'm not sure if it's from the Kashukism, but it is certainly a it's in the appendix. It's in the appendix but, to the Kashukism. But <laughs> it at least maybe go, points to the scripture where it's a, we can get the actual words. Yeah. But but um, but I thought I thought that that was pretty cool. And when you said that, it made me think of of that of that conversation. So this guy, we get together, and I think it points to something that I think would be neat to have. And I've had a few people make. Um, reference that they would like to. I think even Monica Ashour has talked about wanting to to talk about heaven with kids. We kind of even touched on it maybe the last time she was on. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you read this book, and I think Father uh, Robert Spit is it Robert Spitzer SJ the yes sir yeah he's done a lot of near death experiences as yeah, yes. well. And the, the kind of the, the foundation of his book is 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 with science and stuff. Why is God allowing these things to be to happen? You know, and part of his contention is maybe just maybe he's trying to get people to understand that heaven is not only real, but but it is 
something so much more wonderful than we can even imagine. Because these people even have a hard time explaining. These near-death experience people have a, a, an incredibly difficult time putting words mm. to what they see mm. because it's just otherworldly. And he gave a great – I think this is another thing that I think is really – Maybe this is something he took from somebody else. So if I'm if I'm stealing, but I, and I and I hope I can relay it. But he's saying there's a whole layer of this invisible thing that surrounds us that is actually more real than what we're experiencing on this. And he says it's like it's like we're in a picture that's on a wall. You know, we're 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 part of a picture on a wall that's two dimensional. You know, height and and maybe some depth, and it's in a room, and when you're in that you can only see from one perspective and and you don't you you, you're very limited it's like when you step out of that that room was surrounding you it's always was around you but now you can see not only that what you come from but Mm. the broad spectrum that that it's that it's always it was always there it's just where you where you are limited your ability to do it and you had really no idea you add a third dimension that you had no awareness of and i i I like that image of yeah i could see that if i was stuck in and i'm always looking out the same direction and looking side by side and i couldn't see and then all of a sudden i come out and recognize wait a second there's so much more here and it's more real yeah that's still real but everything else is real i thought that was a pretty good at least sort of how do you explain that this reality is always around you (laughs) and it's there but you can't really have a full understanding of it until you actually enter into it so he's like say that eternal life is like leaving the picture you can still see the picture you can still recognize where you came from but now it just it, it your senses are able to see so many other things and i thought that was a great way of the amazement that people have of like, wow, you know, this is so amazing in this other realm in eternal life. Um, hmm. Anyway, I, I, I think it's worth, I think, you know, the science kind of points and even father Robert says, you cannot explain this by brain waves or there's no scientific explanation for some of the stuff that's happening. And so there is something happening that is otherworldly or a, supernatural and the question is is why is it happening talk about blindness oh yeah so he i mean he, t- he talked about he talked about somebody asked him and, and we're sitting in this small room and somebody said so what what of all of the thousands that you've read the people you've talked to you've had these experiences and you've gathered all this information what are the ones that are most compelling the most striking and he's and, and i mean without even stopping he said the blind people because he said the, there are people who are never seen anything, right, right. and yet they come back from these near-death experiences and can describe what the doctor was wearing when they when they left, and and the faces of people. In fact, one said there were two girls that three girls that had been in a been as children had been in a like an orphanage that they were all blind and they had come to know each other. Well, those two girls had died. And then this lady had had, sometime later had a near death experience. And she described these girls knew exactly who they were, but could see them and describe the way they looked. And they were, they were like they were when they were eight years old or 10 years old and they come back. Well, they go get a worker from, from that place. And she's a, this, this blind person who comes back completely blind I mean, it's not like she can see anymore. She comes back and tells this is what this person looks like and this is what that person looks like down to minor details. And the lady's like, yeah, it's exactly them. Wow. You know, like here's here's a picture. And so um, so it, it, you know, what I was telling John, my friend, after the when he spoke, I said, you know, the thing that I probably have never had is now there's kind of a level of excitement, which we all should have right about man if this is what it's like and and it's consistent now his whole point is to try to take these common common experiences take away the interpretations 
You know, in other words, what because people interpret them differently. Take away the interpretations. Like you said, some people come back because they had a great experience and say, well, look, God doesn't care what you believe. Just everything's great. I won't get into depth about that, but he's saying that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is find the commonalities in what they say. And there are things that recur over and over again throughout these thousands that he's reviewed over 30 years. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and, you know, one is almost without fail, this person who everybody seems to recognize as Jesus, even people who don't, aren't Christian, you know, (laughs) recognizes Jesus will, will almost always ask, you know, how have you loved with your life? You know, which is totally consistent with, Scripture and what Jesus says, you know, how we're going to be judged, Matthew 25. Right. You know. The two greatest the, commandments. The, yeah, the two greatest commandments. You know, how have you loved was is a common question that comes, you know, and that the people that had bad experiences of their life review was not that Jesus was standing there judging them like this. It was actually they were judging themselves and recognizing in the presence of the Lord man, I, you know, I dropped the ball on all these things, or I even did bad things as a result. And, and so judging themselves against what becomes very apparently true in the presence of the way, the truth and the life. So anyway, I'm, I'm not, I tend to believe that there must be something going on with this. And I think science is starting to point to the fact that there is something happening. His deal his whole book was called imagine heaven. Why he wrote it was he thinks that God wants people to imagine heaven. I mean, to have a real, and if you see what is going on there, there would be a great desire to go to heaven. We're not just going to be sitting up there twiddling our thumbs saying, Oh, isn't this great? You know, that it's going to be an exciting, overwhelmingly joyful moment because everyone who comes back that has this had a good experience talks about reunions with people that they hadn't seen in a long time and the fact that you communicate clearly you know exactly what somebody there's no which is consistent with even a a, an anthropology that the catholics would say is that that our bodies while good and while we're intended but in its fallen state tends to get in the way of the information we receive and cause problems and battling with what what is what is the best thing and he said that there's no they're they're like there's no like sense of somebody could be lying to me i mean it's just you get what they're thinking body language uh, and everything language you, are perfectly in yeah, sync everything everything goes which would mean we would not be in the fallen state which makes sense that would be what heaven is that right. when we reunited with our bodies the good news is, is i was worried that he was saying well that somehow we have our bodies. And he said, we do in a sense, but he, he goes back and says in the resurrection of the dead, which is consistent, we will receive our bodies back. So it's not fully happened, but still in, in heaven, according to these near death experiences, there is this sense of, I have my, you know, I feel fully alive. You know, I feel fully able to communicate. I feel fully love. And another thing that I thought was really cool was people who were, who were explaining that everybody that's in heaven is like full of light. And then there is no sun, but the sun, Jesus Christ himself, is the light, the brightest light of all. But that all that you see, all the people there are have that light coming out of them. And, and that's the best they can explain it. And that's why they're saying, so think about, he, she was the, the blind person who had never, how would they even know? And people would come back, if you were trying to explain something, why would you go to the extent of saying it's like emanating from everybody who's there? Well, we're in the, we're, you know, we're in him, we're through him, we are for him, you know, through him, with him, in him, that would be some sort of outward manifestation of what it's like. It's something so otherworldly, so beautiful that we can't really express it accurately in our words because it's like that picture. You know, you're you're in the picture and then you go out and then you come back in the picture trying to explain within the confines of it. You're like, I can't do this. I just think that it's 
great, and I want to have some more people on to talk about what heaven's like. You know, for me, what I've always told the kids is it's Father Mitch used to always say when you get in the presence of God that there's, you know, those you have those moments when you learn something or when you understand something and those aha moments where you're like, I get it. Father Mitch always said that he thinks that heaven is because you're going to be in the presence of God who knows everything and you're finite. So you're not, it's not like you're going to have everything available to you that this, our finiteness was going to be filled infinitely with these aha moments. Like, Oh, I get it now. I see this. And that excites me too. I'm like, it's what joy never ending, never ending. It's just like, Oh, cool. I mean, I mean, that's the, the sense that I've always thought when Father Mitch explained it that way, that it's not going to be boring. It's going to be like, oh, man, now I get why that happened, or now I understand why this worked this way, or how this is going to work out. And so we can't, you know, when you always wonder, like, well, how is heaven going to be great if somebody you know is in hell? I don't know how that is. I don't even know how to explain it. But when we get in God's presence, there will be a way (laughs) – of understanding in this continued peeling back of the onion that will go on forever because God's infinite. We never would be able to capture it all. There'll never be a moment when we say, Oh, I got it all. It's going to be this continual revealing. And I just think, I think it's worth as a parent to, I'm I'm not saying go and necessarily read this book, although I've enjoyed it and the stories are pretty tremendous and even the science behind it. Like I said, he's a petroleum engineer. He's a very bright guy. Mm -hmm. Um, So he has looked at it scientifically. Father Robert Spitzer, uh, what's that? I forget what the name of his, um, the Magis Institute. The Magis Institute. Mm -hmm. Magis Institute. I mean, go look at some of those and see. And then start asking about heaven because, you know, I think some people think that heaven's going to be like we're floating on clouds playing a harp and, you know, boring, you know. I mean, and and from what I'm gathering from this and from what, like, Father Mitch tried to explain how it might be and from the idea of the of the picture on the wall and coming out and seeing things differently from a whole other perspective, including the perspective from which you came, is – should be exciting, like, oh my gosh, you know, and it maybe I teared up a couple times because they they said how you know you and and that's it's so consistent with what we say is happening at the mass that at the mass we're invisibly in heaven, you know that that we're in we're we're closer than we could have ever ever be to those who have gone before us in the faith, my mother, my grandfather, people who I miss dearly, and they talk about just the overwhelming joy of seeing people who you haven't seen in a long time, you know, at death. And I actually, like I said, teared up because I could imagine again, imagining heaven being able to see my mom 21 years, you know, to see my grandfather, my grandmother, my uncle. Um, I think we should be excited about heaven, right? I mean, that's the way Paul says, I mean, Paul talks that way. So anyway, I just thought it was kind of a fun and I think an important exercise. I think another thing to to just throw in here at the end. We're we're a little bit over halfway finished. Okay. Um, but to take this from the from the other side of things, at the other angle, um, I think it's worth because we're human beings. I think it's also worth putting in there that um, whatever heaven might be like, whether it's floating on clouds playing a harp or the continual aha moment or um, whatever, we know that that's a heck of a lot better the than, what, than what the alternative is. Right. And and it, and it and it's important to maybe, maybe, you know, a lot of us, maybe we need to just start with, I know I don't want to go to hell. Right. And this is what I need to do and how I need to live and yeah. what I need to commit myself to to not go to hell well so so the act of contrition points us in that direction exactly the act of contrition is there's fear that motivates and so from a parenting standpoint i think it's important yeah you you, from a parenting standpoint this idea fear is not necessarily a bad thing fear of retribution fear of punishment fear of getting caught Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. so so that's not necessarily a bad thing if kids will obey because of that that's 
better than them not obeying. However, I think what this is pointing to is, yes, that should direct us, okay, I want to go away from this. But to be called to excellence is to do it because I want to be in full relationship with my father and my mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same as we should say, I, yeah, I'm afraid of going to hell. I don't want to go to hell, and I'm going to do everything I can to avoid going to hell. But I think at some point what God is saying, I want you to – if if I'm shooting for heaven because that's what I want more than anything, hell is, you know, it's like um, – I think Mother Angelica used to say something like, you know, aim for heaven. I mean, aim to go straight to heaven. And if you miss, you'll go to purgatory. If you're shooting for purgatory and you miss, <laughs> the yeah. other the other alternative is is exactly. not a good one. And and it's interesting on that, just as a final note, he does talk about, and one of his best friends was an atheist who, who had um, an alternative experience where he felt that initially was doing his judgment, then realized he was going he was going to hell and caught a glimpse of hell. Mm. And so when he came back, he left his tenured position and has now started, and he's a pastor of a, of a church mm. in the Austin area as well. Game, ch- I mean, like fully tenured professor to I'm quitting, giving all that up and starting something on my own to share Jesus with others. So, and, there, so there was this sense of uh, it actually, it does matter what you believe. Right. And that's what he was, what he was saying was, is that people ask, well, sometimes these people come back. Well, like some, some people came back and said when they came back, well, I, I knew everything. And so they even get a, you know, a God complex, you know, like I, I got a sense of, I understood everything. I mean, that's not an awareness of who God is. I mean, you couldn't understand everything. You're a finite being. Right. You might've, caught a glimpse of things that you didn't know and now, now you do know. But so his point was, is that there are people that came back sooner just because it starts off as good. Cause almost everyone, the initial thing was, was a, wow, I'm fully, I mean, I'm like fully alive until this presence come and that Jesus doesn't come like, you know, with a paddle. I mean, he comes and hugs a person and they experience this great love but then they're they're shown their life and their decisions, their concrete out, you know, what they did in the presence of love and become aware of all the times that they weren't love in their concrete actions. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an important way of, of saying we should be examining our consciences regularly against the standard, which is love. When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me drink? When I was sick, did you visit me? I mean, those type of things are, that's a good examination of conscience because it sounds like that's what heaven's, the initial, the beginning, the particular judgment. I mean, everything that I read in there, there was nothing contradictory to, now they may have, he may frame it differently, possibly. I I never saw that. He correct, I mean, not corrected. He, things that I began began to be worried about, he initially came back and said, no, you know, understand this is not the fullness. We are going to be, reunited with our bodies, which I was glad he said that um, because I was afraid that maybe it was going some other direction. But what I'm saying is, is that there was nothing that I couldn't rectify with what I know to be true, which is ultimately I do think that we're going to be, we're going to, we are actually going to judge ourselves. One guy actually says, as he's going to hell and knows he's going to hell he said the more he, he would he would just justify everything. I mean he would but I'm a good guy, but I'm and and the more he justified, he said the quicker I was falling. You know, the more I started to say, Well it's come on, I'm not that bad a guy. I mean I did this really you know, and this you know it, he said it got it wasn't until he started crying out and saying <laughs> I I can't justify this. I mean I you know, and so there's something true about the fact that we're meant to judge by our conscience a fully informed conscience and a fully informed conscience in heaven is going to be jesus is right there with you loving you hugging you but you become aware of that well that's the way we should see confession not as though i'm going in there to take a beating or i'm going in there but i'm going into jesus who loves me who wants to forgive me and all i need to do is say i want to be a saint but i'm falling short and I'm not going to justify myself. What I'm going to do is call a spade a spade and say, I'm not 
where I'm supposed to be. Lord, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness, and I need your grace to overcome that. That's completely consistent with what the church would would say. So anyway, uh, it, I, I, I like the book. It's extraordinarily re- easy to read. Um, That's Imagine Heaven. Imagine Heaven by John Burke. And it's from a Protestant perspective. He does do a good job of pulling scripture in. And I, I didn't finish it, but but there was nothing that I can, maybe his interpretation, I never saw that, but it's possible that his interpretation could maybe conflict with a Catholic understanding. I never saw that. But I think that the what he's actually saying does not conflict with it. Because I do think that we tend to th- see God as this, you know, person's up there trying to catch you in something. And instead, I think he's loving you and saying, don't you know there's a better way? You know, don't you know you're meant to give yourself away? Don't you know you're meant to serve other people? You know, I think that's more along the lines, and then we're going to become aware, man, we had all these opportunities. Well, as a parent, what I keep saying is, is where are your opportunities? Your spouse, your, your, your opportunities to do small things with great love for their sake, your children, to say no to, I want to go do this, but I want to do, you know, I was talking with, with, with uh, Kingsley where she wanted to see, watch a movie. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about it. And, it. and it's called Collateral Beauty. I have not seen it, have no idea what it's about. But I joked, I said, it's, well, you know, tonight it's the, tonight's the, uh, the um, NBA finals. So I'm, I'm really interested in collateral basketball. and she said oh you know your daughter and your son and your mom and your wife want to watch a movie with you but but go ahead watch basketball and and 70 said well so what do you have to say to that and i said well nothing because your daughter's right i need to probably watch the movie with you (laughs) and not basketball so so sometimes you're convicted in the moment but those are the moments i think Small moments, just a small yes to something that maybe I could think of something a little bit more enjoyable or a little bit more than I'd want to do that I'm being asked by my child to do. So I can think of, I mean, a, a little kid who wants, you know, 15 minutes of playing blocks with dad or, or, you know, 10 minutes of playing catch or whatever it is. Those are the moments I think that are going to flash before our eyes, both in the good and the bad, the times that we did do that and the times that we didn't. I mean, when you look at life at that, that God is seeing all these things and every one of those opportunities moment to moment to die to ourselves for the sake of another, to show them what it means, what love means is exactly what we're called to. So anyway, I I know I've rambled, but it's but it's but it is I think important to know because we should understand that the particular judgment which happens when we die is going to be a review of our life in the light of God's love, not as somebody that's sitting there ready to whack you, but as but as a truly humbling experience, both in terms of the times because I think we'll see also the times when we did serve another when we did i I can't i can imagine that the great saints that mother saint mother Teresa or saint john paul ii you know is going to see all those times when they said yes to god's grace and and made the sacrificial moment and so i think we'll see that too and then we'll see the times when we when we failed so to do or not to do that's another reason i like to what we have done and what we have failed to do that, that yeah. the omission is often forgotten. Unfortunately, from a Catholic perspective, sometimes the omission, I did not serve you. I did not, you know, feed you when you were hungry um, is important to remember. You may, there, there is something bad about that as well, but I would challenge you. It makes me want to do a better job of having a daily exam and like, you know, how did I do today? against the standard, not against what everybody else does, but against the standard who is Jesus and his love yeah. in that moment. <clears throat> well, I think that, that ties nicely to that um, article from EWTN that I, I told yeah. you about. It's called, Dear Parents, Be Patient on Your Long Walk Home to Heaven. Um, nice. We have a tendency to, to get concerned about worldly success, uh, academic success, 
athletic success for our children, extracurricular success. And this author draws us back to the fact that it's that heavenly destination that really matters. The near-death experiences help bring that home very yeah. plainly that that's that's ultimately what really matters and um this this little essay the author she um she continually she mentions the different stages of children's lives young children slightly older children middle schoolers high schoolers even adults and after every one of those she says be patient parents be patient whatever stage of life you're parenting your children at be patient Right. Be patient with with them. Be patient with the progress that they're making. Be patient with the maybe tortuous, not straight path that they're taking to right. getting to where you want them to go. And and keep in mind, uh, she closes with the only goal of life is to fill all the hearts we've been entrusted with the secure knowledge that that love overflows and is never exhausted. Uh, love changes each of us, making us into people who love more deeply, love more as God loves. So it's a continual um, give and take, and there's growth on both both ends by the parent and the child. Absolutely. Of knowing, learning how to love better, but a lot of it is is being patient. And I guess, I guess in terms of also, like you're saying, being patient in so far as taking those moments to pitch those pennies, right? To have the heart of the child, to Ab- tell stories, to read and write, you know, mysteries. And so, the, so the relationship. I think, it's, I think it's, but and it's exactly. I see. I think that that we need to. Well, first off, if we're honest with ourselves and we do an examine examination of conscience we recognize thank god is god is patient with us i mean if you're if you're i mean with us as children i mean because if we're honest with ourselves we look at it and one of my favorite saints saint therese of lassoe has you know something that i has been part has just been a part of i've just added to my spirituality recently which is this idea she talks about when you sin you know Run to the father. You know you need to elevate her. Run to the father and ask for a kiss. You know, run to Jesus and ask for a kiss. Run as a child. I'm so sorry, because I think the devil wants to say, no, this God is going to hammer you. This God is going to punish you. He is mad at you, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And you're not deserving of his love. And I think that we as Catholics need to. Remember, he is patient with us, more patient than often we are patient with ourselves. Thank God he is. We're still around. You know? Right. God is patient. It's not that God's not coming. It's that he is patient with his creation, trying to get people back there. I think that that teaches us as parents that we should be patient, as she is recommending, because God's patient with us. And that ultimately, when we can when we can pull up alongside, I think there's a great example of what convicts the people in heaven in those near death experiences is this God who's not coming down like, "Look, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong." Instead, is loving him, them. Hold. They always talk about him holding them, and them experiencing this love, and then their conscience is saying, "I'm not doing." what he's doing. And so I think that we should, while there should be fear, we should always work towards the heart of the child, which is always going to come from relationship and a more patient tenderness that, that, that is instead of I'm a, you know, you're punished, you're granted for however long I'm going to take this away. I'm going to do that. Not that that's not appropriate sometimes, but it's always going to be followed up with, or even begun with sometimes this sense of, Wow, because I mean, I tell you, sometimes the ones that will get the most depends on the kid. Is man, that disappoints me. I think you're so much better than that. Mm-hmm. Is much better than I can't believe you did that. Go to your room. You're there. There is something, and then to see that conversion that occurs in the child when they recognize 
man, they love that person loves me and he's not what everybody else says. This person who wants to punish and catch me in doing bad, but rather wants the best for me. So anyway, I, we've talked on and on. I, I mean, I, I guess hopefully you can tell by my voice. I mean, it excites me to think about those things and it challenges me on a personal level to be looking at everything that I do in that. And so actually the verse, and I was going to throw this out there because I think it's really important is is Colossians three seventeen. Three seventeen says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the father through him. And I think that is the essence of what it means to be Catholic. There's nothing that we can't do for him. There's nothing that we can't um, offer to him, giving thanks to God for that through him. So that's the whole idea of that morning offering, to bring everything and offer to God the Father all the sacrifices, all the pains, all the struggles, all the joys, the successes, everything, and everything that we do in word or deed to bring to him and offer to God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's what happens at the Mass. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. But how? where are we? Are we close? About one minute? Okay. Well, anyway, I just just try to tie this together. We may have rambled on, but I but when you're at the Mass, you're in heaven. When you're at the Mass, you're offering through him. When you're at the Mass, every little thing that you do is has the potential of being great. So anyway, remember, uh, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you, and he will. God bless you guys. i uh-huh.